a Podcast One production. You're listening to Crappy to Happy with Tiff and Cass. Last episode, we were talking about positive thinking and I'm already feeling much more positive. I hope you you are too, listener. Today, we're talking Mindfulness 101, the benefits of mindfulness and meditation. Cass, mindfulness is such a buzzword. It's everywhere now. Mm-hmm. Mindfulness diaries, mindfulness this, that. Mm. McMindfulness. Yes, McMindfulness everywhere. So can you break down what exactly is mindfulness? Yes. The definition that's most commonly used to describe what mindfulness is comes from John Kabat-Zinn, who was a guy who was responsible for first bringing mindfulness to the West from Buddhist from its Buddhist origins. He mm-hmm. brought it into Western medicine back in the late 70s, early 80s. And his definition was that it is a way of paying attention on purpose in the present moment, uh, non-judgmentally. So without judgment. Mm-hmm. So, which is a very complicated way of saying, I think, it's simply being aware of what's happening as it's happening. And I always say, this is this is about being aware of what's happening around you and also what is arising within you in response to that, your thoughts, your feelings, your body sensations, without judgment. So in a way, it's it's really this turning off this autopilot and becoming more present. Mm-hmm. So when you're more present to what's happening outside of you and what, what's going on inside of you, you take back the power, I guess, to make a conscious choice about how you respond in that moment instead of what we normally do, which was we react very habitually, mm-hmm. emotionally, you know, we get caught up in our own busy stories in our mind and we, we pretty much live on autopilot. Mm. We do everything without really thinking. Much of what we do is mindless. So mindfulness is just trying to, I guess, turn on our attention a little bit so that we have more power to choose and to manage our thoughts, manage our feelings, manage how we react be more present, be more attentive, okay. et cetera. It seems so simple when you say it, Cass, what mindfulness actually is. So can you take us through what are the benefits? Why, why do this? Yeah, so this is the reason why everybody wants to be more mindful is because mm-hmm. there's loads of stuff out there now talking about why it's good for you. Um, and it goes beyond just you know, being more present. We all know that that's good. If you're, mm-hmm. if you're at work or if you're with your partner, you know, you should be more present. That makes sense. Um, but the science now, there's lots of stuff that's come out saying that uh, mindfulness and meditation, for example, can reduce, this is proven actually, can reduce your experience of depression, anxiety, uh, help you manage stress. There's evidence that it um, reduces your blood pressure uh, that it boosts your immune functioning, that it uh, reduces your experience of pain for people with chronic pain. So physiologically, physically and mentally, there's a whole lot of benefits to mindfulness. Mm-hmm. So I guess there's all of this stuff out there in, in the media. You'll read articles in, in the mainstream media about the benefits of mindfulness. And it's almost like it has become this panacea, like it is the um, the solution to all of the world's problems. Everybody mm. just needs to be more mindful. And so... Um, and everybody in our instant gratification world, everybody wants the the quick mindfulness. You know, the how can I get this mindfulness stuff? You know, in you know less than five minutes. Yes. And and my my first when I was first learning from you how to do it, I thought you had to be sitting down and sort of in a meditative 
pose and carve out half an hour where you could just mm. sit in a room and in meditate. The lotus position. Yes. And mm. I thought, I haven't got time for that, Cass. <laughs> no, and a lot of people don't have time yeah. for that. Because I think it's worth pointing out that there is a difference between mindfulness and meditation. Meditation is absolutely the formal practice of mindfulness. Mm-hmm. It is when you make the deliberate effort to sit. Uh, it doesn't have to be on the floor and it doesn't have to be cross-legged. Mm-hmm. It can be up in your bed, on the sofa. It can be in your chair at work, mm-hmm. anywhere that you can sit, or it can be standing or it can be lying down. And it is when you deliberately choose to uh, focus your attention on, for example, your breath or your body, physical sensations. You choose an mm-hmm. object and you spend a period of time, whether it's 10 minutes or 20 or 30 minutes mm-hmm. or even just five minutes and quieten your mind and deliberately choose an object to focus your attention on. Most commonly people use the breath. Okay. But if you imagine fundamentally meditation, sitting, bringing your awareness to the sensation of breathing uh, and then just f- staying with that and every time your mind wanders, you bring it back. So that's meditation. Yes. But there's also informal mindfulness, which is Mm -hmm. where you just take opportunities throughout your day to be more present. Mm -hmm. If you're eating, you can actually focus on the sights and the smells and the tastes and the texture of the food. (laughs) Exactly. Mostly we only taste the first mouthful of food Mm -hmm. and then we're off in our heads and we're Mm -hmm. not even aware that we're eating. Mm -hmm. When you're driving the car, you can actually drive and focus on the feeling of the steering wheel in your hand and what you can see around you and the feel of the air on your skin. It's bringing your awareness into the present moment instead of those times when you normally your mind would be racing and off and yes. somewhere else. So there's lots of ways that you can bring mindfulness into your everyday experiences. And we call that everyday mindfulness or informal mindfulness mm-hmm. versus formal practice, which is this, this actual meditation So you can part. start with the mindfulness. That's a great start, isn't it? I would say that is a great start and that Really, that's what you want as your goal. But you practice meditation to build the skill Mm -hmm. to be able to take that skill throughout your day. Mm-hmm. When people start talking about bringing, being more mindful, yeah, great, be more mindful, be more aware of, and in the present moment, hop out of your busy head mm-hmm. and bring your focus back into just what's in front of you, what you're doing. When you start talking about wanting to reap all of these benefits, and we'll get into, I'd love to tell you about the benefits yes. that are proven, um, then you need to actually be spending some time in meditation. Like uh, with anything, you have, you have to, to practice put the effort and in. you have to train in it a little bit. Yeah, It's a training a muscle. It's training mm. the attentional muscle and it's mm-hmm. training your brain and you can't expect to do that with yes. the shortcuts. Mm-hmm. And the, they're, they're great, they're helpful. It's like taking the stairs instead of the lift, but you want to do more than that if you yeah. want to get the real benefits from it. That makes sense. I guess. So can you talk us through some of the benefits? Recently, some of the prominent researchers in this area, you would have heard of Daniel Goleman. Mm-hmm. He wrote the Emotional Intelligence yes. books. So he's been a meditator for a long, long time. Mm-hmm. He's mates with John Kabat-Zinn and he's mates with all of those people who've been in the meditation mindfulness arena for the last 30, 40 years, probably 50 years now, showing mm-hmm. my age. I always think like the 1980s is 20 years ago. No. <laughs> <laughs> it's only 40 years yes, ago. it's amazing, huh? <laughs> um, so, and Richie Davidson, one of his good mates who is a neuroscientist, so mm-hmm. he's responsible for a lot of the brain imaging studies ah. that are showing the brain benefits of mindfulness now. So together, the two of them, so these guys have been actually doing the research mm-hmm. for a long, long time, and they've now come together and they've written a book which is where they've gone through and actually ripped all of the research apart and really said, well, how much of this actually holds up 
okay. to proper validity, like proper scientific rigour. Mm-hmm. So they found that the blood pressure one, well, actually that's a bit flimsy. Yes. <laughs> um, and they found that, uh, you know, some of the stuff that's been stated has perhaps been overstated. Okay. But what they have found, so there is still lots of really yeah. good stuff. So what they have found is that people who meditate do definitely recover faster from stress and stressful events. Okay. So in times of stress, our amygdala, our fight or mm-hmm. flight centre, like goes off. Mm. People who experience chronic stress, which a lot of people do. Yes, they do. Have enlarged amygdala. Whoa. The amygdala is actually, yeah, enlarged. And there is a reduced, I'm going to get into brain science a bit, but there is a reduced connection between the prefrontal cortex, so that's the part of your brain behind you, like in your mm. forehead right behind you up here. That's the part of your brain that puts the brakes on the stress response. Yes. That's like the one that calms you down. Yeah. And so meditation strengthens the connection between that part of the brain and the amygdala, which is the stress part of your brain. So you calm down quicker. Wow. It's amazing. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. So people who are chronically stressed, they have a weakened connection. So they tend to be jacked up mm-hmm. with, the, with the fight or flight with, not, with a diminished capacity to Incredible. calm down. So meditation strengthens that connection mm-hmm. and actually reduces the, the that activity in the amygdala, which is really, really interesting. The thing about pain, Zen meditators they have found have a pain threshold that is for for heat, for temperature, like when exposed to they, they do they test people's pain thresholds by mm. putting this burning plates on them. Oh. Um, which doesn't actually burn them, but it's designed to monitor the body's uh-huh. um, pain response. They have a pain threshold two degrees centigrade higher. Wow. Which doesn't sound like much, but it's amazing when it comes to pain, that two degrees higher. So people's response to pain, what it does is they still feel the pain, but this is the thing with mindfulness is the thoughts and the feelings, the, oh, this hurts, I have to get out of here, this is awful, which is our normal mm-hmm. thought feeling reaction, that, that calms down. So the body, they experience the sensory part of the pain, but they don't have the same emotional reaction and the same automatic phenomenal r- rejection. Yeah. So that speaks a lot to our, just our, our capacity to handle pain and mm. discomfort and stress and all sorts of things that we perceive as Incredible. difficult. Yeah. yeah. And I've heard, I don't know if this is a myth or not, that meditation can make your brain bigger. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so again, this is one that they say, well, let's, mm. um, you know, really unpack this and see yeah. if this holds up. And they did a big meter analysis. So meter analysis is where they get all the studies in and they review everything. Mm. Mm. So famously, this article came out in all the science magazines and everywhere saying that med- mindfulness meditation increases the grey matter in your brain, thickens the, thickens the grey matter in your brain and all these different areas mm. to do with different, you know, capacities and functions. But also that the brains of 50-year-old meditators uh, were te- like physically younger. So our brains atrophy, they shrink mm-hmm. with age. Mm-hmm. So brains of meditators are larger than brains of non-meditators. Essentially, like the brains of 50-year-olds were on average seven and a half years younger than what a 50-year-old brain would normally look like. But that's come under review because they're saying, well, that's well and good, but this meter analysis, they threw in there all different types of meditation, all different types of meditators. Like Mm -hmm. they couldn't pull apart, well, how long had they been meditating? What kind of meditation? For how many hours? You know? Yes. So it's very hard to narrow that down. So yes, there are definitely brain benefits. Yes. But we're still not really clear Mm -hmm. about exactly what, how long... 
you know, mm-hmm. do you need to be doing to have Absolutely, those benefits? I understand. Certainly as a general rule, I'd say get meditating. Because get meditating. <laughs> because and you just mentioned there are different types of meditation. Mm. What are the different types? What sort of meditation should people start with? Well, I'm trained in mindfulness meditation. Mm-hmm which is what I said. Mm -hmm. It's just being aware of what's happening as it's happening. So that's otherwise known as insight meditation, vipassana meditation. Mm -hmm. That's all sort of the same tradition. Okay. So Zen meditation is another kind of meditation. I'm not really familiar. I know a lot of people who do mindfulness also have done Zen. Mm -hmm. Um, It seems to be a lot more hardcore. Okay. We'll build up Pretty hardcore. Okay. Transcendental meditation yes. also has evidence. So that's where you do 20 minutes twice a day and you mm-hmm. focus on a mantra. Mm-hmm. So whereas mindfulness, you focus on your breath or sounds okay. or physical sensations. Key to transcendental meditation or TM, mm-hmm. which is easier to say, mm-hmm. is the mantra. And yes. it's this it's this defined 20-minute kind of period. Wow. So there's, And then there's, there's more sort of spiritual people, mm-hmm. you know, do more higher self Mm-hmm. you know, connection type of meditations, okay. spiritual traditions. But so in terms of what is really researched in, in our mm-hmm. Western science and our Western psychology, then mindfulness is okay. is, a, is probably the main one. Well, that's where I've started yeah. with, with my husband. And we've, we've tried really hard since meeting you and you came into our lives with mindfulness meditation and setting aside time where we, we end up sort of doing it together because the baby's, you know, asleep or, you know, it just works out that way. So I emailed you a couple of weeks ago, Cass, mm. and I said, Cass, we've been doing a mindfulness meditation, but it's driving us crazy. We don't know if we're getting better at it. We don't know if we're improving. We don't know how do we get better at this. Like this is me wanting my gold this medal and the, the gold striving. star. This is striving. Yeah, striving. And Ed and I, uh, we're over it. All we do <laughs> is we sit there and we get distracted. We bring our, our thoughts back to our breath, but... How do we get better? Is it about time, like going from 10 minutes to 15 minutes or is it how how can we get better? And you wrote back to me and I've got your email here. You said (laughs) the important part of this, Tiff, is the non-judgmental part of mindfulness. You're judging yourself. Yes. I'm not doing it right. I'm not doing it good enough. So the very fact that I I was asking you how to get better is is the wrong question. Um, It's like not even... But common, right? Because that's that's the world we live in. We live in where we're rewarded for effort and we're rewarded, we want to see um, evidence of our progress. We want to know we're doing it right. So you just do it, Cass. You just do it. You don't get just better do at it. You know, you're not bad at it. You just have to do it. Is that right? Yeah, pretty much. The, the, yeah. the striving thing is the trickiest part yeah. because I just told you some of, not even all mm. of, but I just told you some of the benefits of mindfulness meditation. Mm-hmm. So naturally people go, okay, great. Well, I want some of these benefits, so I'm going to go and do this thing. So we're doing this thing to get this mm-hmm. result. And then when you start doing it, the teacher says, forget result. Just forget reward. Just do it's it. in the practice. Just do it for the sake of doing it. And you go, well, but, I gotta be, but there's got to be a reason. Otherwise, why would I bother to be yeah. doing it? So yes. it's kind of paradoxical. I, under, I do understand it because... In my Taekwondo practice in martial arts, there's two sides of it. It's a sport mm-hmm. in the Olympics and you can do it that side of it or it is a practice. And Taekwondo means Tay, Foot, Kwon, uh, Foot, Fist, Art, so mm-hmm. Taekwondo. And the art part is the practice. You just do it. Mm-hmm. There's no striving there. You just, it's part of your day. So I was like, oh, it's sort of like Taekwondo. It's the Do part. But 
you know, I struggle with that. Even in Taekwondo, I'm more about the sport part. <laughs> um, so it's been really hard for me mm. to just sit back and to just do it and Ed say, how did you go? Oh, I don't know. How there's did no, you go? I don't know. Like, and we're emailing you saying. There's no how did you, there's no good or bad meditation. That's right. key. There is no such thing. So if your mind wanders, because Ed's saying my mind keeps wandering. Yeah, I can't Because he's got a normal human mind. Yeah, so he's like, I'm failing. I said, no, <sighs> the point is that your mind does wander and you bring it back. It's meant to. That's what your mind does. Your mind secretes thoughts mm-hmm. the way your stomach secretes digestive mm-hmm. enzymes. Like that is what your mind's job is to do, is mm-hmm. to secrete thoughts. So that's a good way of thinking about it. You can't stop that from happening. So with mindfulness, what you're aiming to do is to be able to notice that a thought has come up, mm-hmm. which it will, mm-hmm. inevitably. No judgment, remember? Yes. Uh, it's not, oh crap, there's another thought. I'm so bad at this. This is, oh, yes. and the other thing is, so you notice that a thought has come and as soon as you notice it, let it go, come back to the breath or whatever mm-hmm. it is you're focusing on. And in fact, that's the point where you could congratulate yourself if you chose to for mm-hmm. being mindful because the very fact that you'd noticed you were thinking is being mindful. So the, the, the aim is to not to think, like you shouldn't have just a blank no. canvas in your mind. You'd be dead if you did. Yeah. Like, right? Yeah. So you're not looking at just blank getting rid of thoughts. No. You notice them and you, you come, come back. back. You notice and you come back. And sometimes you have to, sometimes you have to come back 800,000 times. Like, that's what it mm. feels like. It feels like you barely get two breaths. And one thought can get stuck. That's okay. One thought, and we know how thoughts work. One thought leads to another thought, leads to another thought. And before you know it, you've gone down this whole thought path. Mm. And you maybe you've been two minutes mm-hmm. off in thinking before you realise, but that's okay. Then Mm -hmm. you just say, oh, there I go again. And you just unhook. (laughs) Unhook is the word that I like. Unhook. Unhook from that thinking. Writing that down, unhook. And come back to the breath again. There'll be other days when maybe you're feeling really calm and maybe your mind's not as busy and maybe it is a little bit quieter, but it doesn't mean to say that that was a good meditation and another day's a bad meditation. It's just all meditation. Okay. And so if you're doing it, Cass, and you start thinking about things you have to do... And you bring your mind back, but that thing that you have to do just won't leave you and you stop and you write it down. <laughs> Is that bad? <laughs> Is that bad? Listen like, to me with the judgmental language like, no, again. No, but like <laughs> you shouldn't stop the meditation to like shouldn't. write something mm. down or get it out of your head or... I would say... What do you... Like, look, some people say, look, I just have to write it down and then I can come back. Yeah. So, that's me. So what you're observing in that mm-hmm. is when I have a thought... A worry... Right. Then it creates what? A feeling. Mm -hmm. And that creates an urge. Mm -hmm. This is the loop. A thought creates a feeling. That feeling prompts an urge Mm -hmm. to to act. Mm -hmm. And that's what we do all day long. Mm -hmm. So what we're aiming to do with mindfulness as we sit on that couch Mm -hmm. is to notice I've had the thought, notice that I've had a feeling, now I'm feeling a bit anxious, I'm thinking worried I'm going to forget that thing. And I have the strong urge to write that down so that I can get it off my mind. Same as I might have a strong urge to go and press the start button on that washing machine because I forgot to do it or to, you know, to turn my phone on silent because yes. I forgot to do it. We have all of these urges to do things. Uh-huh. And what we want to do with mindfulness is to be able to notice that urge but not react to it, not give in to it, mm-hmm. to just stay put. Mm-hmm. And it's hard sometimes, but that's the, that's the practice. That's why it's called a practice. Yeah. You sit and you notice all of these urges. And I always say to people, what happens on that meditation cushion? If you're sitting on a cushion, I have mm-hmm. a cushion. You might be on the couch, I don't mm-hmm. know. 
What happens on the meditation cushion is a metaphor for life. Okay. Because in your life, all day long, you are driven Mm -hmm. by thoughts and feelings and urges to react. Mm. And but you're practicing this skill in meditation of noticing that urge and not having to give in to it. So uncomfortable. So uncomfortable. Tolerating the discomfort and letting it go and coming back to the breath again. And it's a, like, you know from experience, that's hard. Yes. That's a skill. Yes. But it is such an important skill. So you go into life and you notice that you have a thought and you have a feeling. Normally what's happening, you're just reacting, 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 reacting. And then it can cycle into, if you're just reacting to those urges during the mindfulness meditation, then in life you can just be saying yes to everything. You're not yes. saying no. You're not carving out self-care time. You wouldn't know anything about that, that Tiff, would no, you? No, I know nothing about <laughs> that. <laughs> because that's what I'm working on with Castan <laughs> is learning to say no and, and trying to manage that urge mm-hmm. of like being there for everyone and giving everything and, you know, actually having to give to yourself too. Yeah, exactly. And I just say it's if you can... If you can manage, and it can, it doesn't have to be 20, 30 minutes an hour. Like mm. back in the day, it used to be that, you know, you'd have to sit for 45 minutes. These days we're saying, you know, if you can start with five, go to 15, 20 minutes, great. Mm-hmm. But everything that you notice, you learn a lot about yourself. You learn a lot about your habitual ways of mm-hmm. thinking and reacting. Mm-hmm. And that's invaluable. It's the most important work you can do. Yeah. And the other thing is that you're, you're training your brain your brain is being hijacked. There's parts of your brain that light up when you have that urge to write that thing down or to go and do that thing. Mm -hmm. Parts of your brain are lighting up and you're training it to come back to breathing and that's rewiring your brain. So it's not Mm -hmm. just teaching you the behavioural skill. Mm. It's actually changing you neurobiologically. Mm -hmm. Like it's changing the structure and the function of your brain. And it's, you know, so over time over eight weeks, Mm -hmm. sometimes as little as 10 minutes, actually. There's some studies that have shown 10 minutes is enough to reduce mind wandering. Mm -hmm. And in fact, can I tell you this just while I think of it? please. There was one study where they they taught people, high school students, actually 10 minutes of meditation um, slowed down their mind wandering. We all know how bad we are with mind wandering and multitasking. So this is another way that we're training our brains to sustain attention and focus. Then what they did with those students is they gave them 10 hours of practice over two weeks. So, you know, 30 minutes a day, Mm -hmm. for example. And they found that not only did it strengthen their attention and improve their working memory, which is something they weren't even looking for, and it increased their GRE scores, which is their graduate entry scores Mm -hmm. for university, by 30%. Oh, they improved their scores by 30% after two weeks Phenomenal. of learning mindfulness meditation. See, I wish I had have learnt this when I was doing my VCE and my final year at school. Not that and you even did that. Through Didn't you get like at the top? Yeah, I did, but imagine. <laughs> imagine what you could have imagine done. Imagine what I could have done. But through uni- university was very difficult. It was very hard. And I wish I had have known about me mindfulness too. meditation to get me through my studies and through my exams. Me too. I'm just dying to get into my door daughter's high school. She's just started high school and teach it to everybody. Yeah. For Mm. students, it should be something. And I know with my brother, when he recently did his exams, he was so stressed Mm -hmm. out. And I was saying, try some mindfulness meditation. He was listening to classical music whilst he was studying and trying different things, but it was just so unknown to him. Yeah. So foreign. Yeah. And it is, I think for a lot of people it is. Mm. But so, yeah, so that's what we're doing with, with the meditation practice. And then, of course, th- there's all of these benefits in and that filter out into our lives. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll talk about more benefits for mindfulness meditation and some easy steps to get started. 
Welcome back to Crappy to Happy. We're talking mindfulness and meditation. Cass, I can't get enough of these benefits. Do you have any others? There are lots of other benefits to meditation. And one of the ones that I find so interesting is the effect on your DNA, actually. Mm. So it actually can change the, the, the genes in your body. So for example... Uh, one study found that after three days, people who meditated experienced a decrease in the molecules associated with inflammation in the body. So basically wow. reduces inflammation mm-hmm. in the body. If you think about the role that inflammation has in so many diseases. Everything, gut, digestion, right. everything, yeah. weight loss. And so, and after only, if with experienced meditators, so people who had a long-term practice, after only one day, they noticed a down-regulation in the genes associated. One day? One wow. day. Yeah. So they, the people who have the longest meditation practice, they tend to, when they go into an intense meditation, mm-hmm. it's like their, their body and their brain just reacts. It just switches on. They just know what's going on. And so they experience very quick and very profound changes mm-hmm. in the activity in their brain and in the expression of, you know, the genes in their body. So telomerase is the, it's an enzyme at the end of your DNA strands. Now mm-hmm. I'm no like biologist, so mm. just bear with me on this, but essentially it protects the telomeres, which are the caps at the end of your DNA mm-hmm. strands and DNA, the telomeres shorten with illness and aging. Okay. So uh, people who meditate show an increase in the telomerase. So the, de- the telomeres stay longer for mm-hmm. longer. Mm-hmm. So it actually essentially it doesn't reverse the aging process, but it definitely slows down cellular aging. Wow. So again, you think about the the diseases that come with age, mm-hmm. like as those telomeres shorten with age and with stress mm-hmm. and we start experiencing all of these illnesses, we can actually hold that off. Long-term meditation actually can can slow down that process. That is amazing. And that, that is the most important thing, isn't it? <laughs> what to talk about. Yeah, well, it is. It is. I mean, there's, there's changes to your mood and there's changes to your attention and your focus mm. and decision-making and improve the quality of the relationships. But this is like... It's making you younger. In your genes mm. in terms of, yeah, well, not younger as in younger, but younger as your in... Your bio clock though, yeah. Yeah. I did read one study and I don't know if this has ever been published or if it was in the pre-stage of being mm-hmm. published, but I, I heard the author speak and she was saying that the loving kindness meditation, mm-hmm. which is a very particular meditation, which focuses on cultivating love and kindness, okay. mm-hmm. really, it's a Buddhist practice, mm-hmm. um, that she found that it actually um, switched off the genetic expression of certain diseases. So for example, you can have genes, you can have in your DNA, yes. like a predisposition to cancer yes. or diabetes. It's whether they switch on or... It's whether they switch on. And it's environmental factors mm-hmm. often that will switch on mm-hmm. the... DNA, which decides whether you get the illness or not. Yes. And loving kindness medi- meditation was sh- being shown to switch off, like to reduce the possibility mm-hmm. of that that disease would be expressed. It's incredible. It's amazing. It is so awesome because one of the things that I I think so important from going from crappy to happy is about you know, looking after yourself, self-care, and at the end of the day, reversing your biological age, Mm -hmm. which is different to your chronological age. So I'm 34 years old, but I'm hoping that due to good lifestyle choices, like I don't smoke, I don't drink, I eat well, I exercise, 
I meditate, mm-hmm. uh, that it shaves off years of your life. And yep. last time I did my bioage, it was in my 20s. There you go. So, you know, that that's very important. And I, I think a lot of people do address the the diet, the exercise, but a huge hole is looking after your mental health and yeah. meditation to reverse that biological age and your genes. Meditation and sleep, I yeah, would say. Yeah, sleep. And that's that brings me back to something I was going to say before. With the mindfulness meditation, it can improve your sleep, can't it? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, because that's what, how I started to do it because obviously new mum, baby, baby awake a lot during the night. <laughs> when I was, when I did have time to sleep, I wasn't, for, I wasn't sleeping very well. Yeah. So I thought if I can improve the quality of the little sleep that I do have, that's going to help. So that's why I really started to focus on this. Meditation, like right before bed, mm-hmm. will definitely improve the quality of your sleep. I know if I meditate right before bed, I will sleep a whole lot longer and deeper than I normally would. But any any meditation will help. Okay. And is is it the best time to meditate before sleep? Is that the most... Mm, look at me trying to get the... Uh, <laughs> tell me... The magic formula. The, yeah, the magic formula and the best way to do it and how to achieve. I don't know that there actually is a uh-huh. best time. I think that most people who meditate regularly do it first thing in the morning. Okay. When you first wake up, your mind's usually the most clear. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you can wake up and do some meditation, number one, it's out of the way. It sets you up for the day. Mm-hmm. You start already having that more uh, open mind that you start to have those benefits about not reacting to every mm-hmm. thought. You're not immediately hijacked as you normally would be by your phone, you know, all the incoming yeah. alerts and messages. So you just start the day, I think, on a better foot if you do it mm-hmm. first thing in the morning. It, you tend to be, your mind's more open and receptive. Okay. And it's it's a good way, like it sets the intention, I suppose, yes. to be more mindful throughout the day. Throughout the day. So if you find that time, you have found that time, then find somewhere comfortable to sit. Yes. Then what's the next De- Dedicate a space. I always say try to dedicate a space. Okay. What that And a, and a dedicated time. Mm-hmm. So you said time, then space. So I think that, that what that does is, like, we respond to cues. And mm-hmm. we'll talk in another episode about habits, actually. Mm-hmm. But um, we our body responds and our brain responds to cues and to habits and to routines. Mm-hmm. So, so if you can allocate a space and allocate a time, then as soon as you go into that, space at that time, you start to, your mind and body starts to respond like it's, oh, it's oh, meditation so time. Much sense. That's like with little babies, sorry, I'm in the baby world at yeah, the moment, but having those sleep cues, for example, yes. Arnold sleeps in a little sleeping bag. You may, you know, give them a dummy as a sleep aid. You may have the room really dark or a sound machine and all these little sleep cues, the little baby who knows nothing knows, oh, it's time to sleep. Yes. So yeah. it works the same way. We all do. Yeah. We right. all do. All of our life is driven by habit. Um, yeah. So setting up those habits around meditation will yeah. help to um, make that practice more um, regular and mm. routine. Yeah, like anything. Okay. And then I think I always say to people, there's lots and lots of mindfulness apps. People say, oh, where do I start? What would you recommend? Mm. And there are many. The one that I recommend the most often is Insight Timer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And only because it started off, it was a free app. It still is free. I think there's a paid version now. Mm-hmm. It It is just a timer. If you can meditate with, mm-hmm. with no instruction, you can just set a timer for however long you want to start. And, you know, start with five minutes if, it's, if that's all you can manage. But I would say try to build up to 15 or 20. Okay. And then... 
it also has a whole lot of guided meditations on it. So, and I mean, 5,000 different guided yeah, meditations, so which can be a bit overwhelming for people. But I say, well, just go to the top 20 and just mm-hmm. pick a 10 minute meditation and just start, just mm-hmm. start somewhere. Like just start. Just start. The hardest part is always getting started, isn't yeah. it? And a lot of people I find, you know, I've recommended that in the TIFXO community yes, so often. They love and, it. and people will come and say, oh yeah, I found this particular teacher or this particular instructor that I really like. And mm. somebody else will say, oh no, I like this one. So people will, res- will respond to a particular style of meditation or a voice or an accent. Mm-hmm. And that's the problem with most of those apps is they tend to just be the one voice, mm-hmm. you know, so if you don't like it or you get very you bored with it. it. Yeah. Mm. So you, there's a broad variety there on mm-hmm. that on that app. That's great. It's not the only one, but it's, yeah. it's one. It's that's a free helpful. one. That's helpful. And I'm looking forward to doing your eight-week mindfulness course online. I'm looking you forward. You can do it online, you know. You yeah. don't have to go anywhere. You can do it online. It's so easy, Cal. Yeah, I can't wait for you to do that course yeah. too. Yeah, yeah. So I created an eight-week online meditation course for this very reason. I've been mm. teaching meditation to, to people like mm-hmm. individually and in groups, and it's challenging to get to an eight-week class. You have to find... A, a venue. People don't have time to meditate. Let alone go to exactly. a meditation class. And then you've got to b- juggle family commitments, uh-huh. and you've got to drive and park, and all the. For me, as you've the instructor, it so easy for people. But I would have to hire, find a venue. Yeah. Finding a venue that's available the same time every week is yeah. challenging. Yeah. So I put it online. Mm-hmm. It's an adaptation of the mindfulness-based cognitive therapy mm-hmm. course. It's all audio, mm-hmm. so people can just. It's called mindfulness for busy people. Yeah. And so it's just you can just listen to the. They're, they're ten minutes long. The little lessons. It's got all the meditations there. It's got worksheets that you can do. And we have a little Facebook group. It's awesome. And it's... It's so exciting. Yeah, it's really... It's it's the first round. We've done one round. It's on your website? Yeah. I'll, I'll put a link in the description. Mm-hmm. I've run it through once on one platform. I'm shifting to a new custom platform. Mm-hmm. So I'll have that URL ready and I'll put it in there. And uh, yeah, the first round who went through called it life-changing. They got so much benefit out of it. Um, the improvements, I know that we're not about striving, mm-hmm. but we do get people, I do get people to do an assessment at the beginning mm-hmm. and assess a self-assessment at the end to self-rate their levels of mindfulness and self-compassion. And people really notice like really big improvements mm-hmm. and which you know, the most important thing is that those scores on paper actually reflect the changes that they feel within themselves. They're so less cool. reactive. They're they're more positive. Mm-hmm. You know, they're having better relationships with their kids and with their partners. Um, they use this, what we call the three-minute breathing space. Yes. So that's fundamental um, to just manage life and manage stresses. Mm-hmm. And it's amazing. So I'm really excited about that. So, Tiv, do you think that that discussion has helped you to go back to meditation with a different uh, expectation or a different attitude to make that more? Yeah, absolutely. It's really helped me because now I see that the meditation is the training mm-hmm. and the mindfulness it is the practice. So I can relate to that. And I just have to take the judgment away because sometimes Ed will be meditating and he'll open his eyes and I'm staring at him and he's like, what are you doing? And I'm like, I just can't get it right. So I'm just going to lie down and relax and just, you know, understand that the wandering is part of it. It's completely normal. And there's no gold stars. There's no medals. There's no gold stars. No. The Insight Timer has a gold star function. I turned it off because I was becoming too attached to the stars, actually. (laughs) I don't think I should even be timing myself because if I get 10 minutes today, I want to get 12 minutes tomorrow. I'm just going to take all pressure off. So Sharon Salzberg, who is um, quite a prominent mindfulness meditation Mm -hmm. teacher globally, uh, 
she has a saying that the healing is in the return, not in the mind never having wandered. That's beautiful. So that's a great thing to remember. It's in the return, in the unhooking, as you say. Yeah. I love it. Well, we hope that helped you, listener. It definitely helped me. In the next episode, we're going to be talking about changing habits and the motivational myth. We'll speak to you soon. Thanks so much for tuning in. Crappy to Happy is recorded in the Podcast One studios. Produced by Dave Zwolenski. Audio production by Darcy Thompson. For more episodes and to check out other great podcasts, go to podcastone.com.au or download the app.